Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. The Marvel Comics movie department has had a pretty good run over the past 10 years or so. Aside from numerous spin-off TV series, films farmed out to rival companies like the X-Men franchise and the early Spider-Man movies, the movies of the official Marvel Comics universe, the MCU, number well into the 20s now. And the astonishing thing wasn't these films' popularity or the franchise's longevity. It was their quality. For what they are, they've nearly all been pretty good movies. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. There's been speculation that I'm parading around as a superhero. I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly. From the moment Robert Downey Jr. stepped into the Iron Man suit, there seemed to be a new emphasis on quality control by the MCU's boss, Kevin Feige. They were better acted, better written and better directed. The films were no longer run by action movie hacks. They were often in the hands of reputable independent directors like Ryan Coogler, Shane Black, Sir Kenneth Branagh and now Taika Waititi. And you and I had a fight recently. Did I win? No, I won. Easily. Doesn't sound right. Oh, that's true. The trick was taking the idea of Captain America, Thor, Spider-Man and the rest seriously enough, avoiding the plummet into campy nonsense that reflected the contempt directors of the past had had for what they'd been given. Kevin Feige absolutely believes in comic book movies, but he knows that the secret to a successful one is lightness of touch. You've had a tough week. We won't hold it against you if you can't get it up. It's physics. Physics. All right, so if I lift it, I I then rule Asgard? Yes, of course. I will be reinstituting prima nocta. Often the highlights of an Avengers movie weren't the overpowering digital effects, but the badinage between the superheroes. Ernest Boy Scout, Captain America, smart Alec billionaire playboy Tony Stark, lovable lunkhead Thor the demigod, and modern-day Dr. Jekyll, Bruce Banner the Hulk. Dr. Banner, now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. But there comes a time in any movie franchise that's dependent on each episode topping its predecessor when it all gets a bit much. Marvel kept adding more superheroes with more and more superpowers up against bigger and badder supervillains. He only ever had one goal. To wipe out half the universe. If he gets all the Infinity Stones, he can do it with the snap of his fingers. Just like that. 
It culminated, you'd think, in the last two episodes of The Avengers, Infinity War and Endgame. Five and a half hours of mayhem included the death of some lead characters and the destruction of half the known universe for a few years. The end, surely. I saw all these people die. I keep telling everybody they should move on. Some do. The man us. But it's never the end in a comic book universe, and this week sees a prequel to those films starring one of the more intriguing Marvel Comics characters. Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow, had no superpowers, but she held her own admirably in the mostly boys' club of the Avengers. Before I was an Avenger, I made mistakes. And a lot of enemies. Will the Black Widow movie fill in some of those fascinating holes in the career of the former Russian assassin? Meanwhile, over on Netflix, the French offer a uniquely Gallic take on the subject, How I Became a Superhero. More trench coats and gallwires than tight-fitting superhero costumes. And popular culture rules in basketball superstars versus cartoon characters Space Jam. Yes, they did it before, 20 years ago. And no, it makes no more sense this year. I got it! I got it! Oh, she got me. I'm not a betting duck, but my money's on the other team. But first, one of the most appealing of the Avengers finally flies solo, Black Widow. You don't know everything about me. I've lived a lot of lives. Before I was an Avenger. Before I got this family. I have to say that Black Widow, a beautifully deadpan Scarlett Johansson, was always my favourite of the Marvel heroes, as much as anything because of the cryptic bits of backstory she kept dropping into the films. Just like Budapest all over again. You and I remember Budapest very differently. And while the rest were pumped full of secret chemicals, radioactive spider venom, or were built into high-tech machines, Natasha Romanoff needed no help to be a super-fit, trained assassin. In a world of superheroes, it was nice to have one actual heroine. At some point, we all have to choose between what the world wants you to be and who you are. I made my choice. I'm done running. And because Natasha reached the end of the line, presumably, in the film The Avengers Endgame, it's no surprise that her own movie is a prequel to that Big Bang. We catch up with her on the run after the gang temporarily broke up. She decides to use her sabbatical to right a few wrongs, dating back to her childhood as part of a Russian sleeper cell embedded in the American Midwest. We have to go back to where it all started. So they never do that to anyone again. We're a family. We fight with you. 
When fake dad, mum and kid sister were airlifted from Ohio, Natasha was sent to brainwashing school to learn to be an evil assassin. That was before she was rescued by the Avengers and became a goodie. But now she's gone solo, she's looking for her former fake Russian sister, Yelena. I tell people my sister moved out west. You're a science teacher. Your husband, he renovates houses. You're thinking about moving, but you're going to wait until the interest rates go down. That's not my story. And as soon as Scarlett Johansson hooks up with Florence Pugh as Yelena, you relax a little. Perfect casting for sisters, even fake sisters, and all they need is a halfway decent reason to keep them in the picture together. He's called Science Taskmaster. He controls the Red Room. They're manipulated, fully conscious, but no choices. And the decision to make The Black Widow a sort of born identity spy movie is a good one, at least to start with. They're hunting down the sinister head of the brainwashing program, the evil Dracoff. Bring her home. Put your seatbelts on. She's such a mom. A rare misstep by the usually impeccable Marvel casting department is Cockney geezer Ray Winstone as the film's big bad. Ray is many things, but a plausible Bond villain isn't one of them. But much is forgiven when Natasha and Yelena reunite with their former fake parents, cool, smart Rachel Weiss and loud, overbearing David Harbour. We have unfinished business. My girls... As the forces of evil close in, who can be trusted? That seems to mean putting the family back together again. And finally, this allows some of the ten years of Black Widow backstory elements to be touched on, if not exactly clarified. I'm sorry. We had our orders and we played our roles. It wasn't real. It was real to me. me, you were everything. For people who were hoping for a definitive origin story of Natasha Romanoff, assassin-turned-lovable den-mother of the Avengers, Black Widow has to be something of a disappointment. But given director Kate Shortland's brief, make the Marvel Comics fan club more women-friendly, she does a reasonable job. I should have come back for you. How many others are there? Enough. In fact, it's mostly women making the running in Black Widows. Star Scarlett Johansson is also one of the producers of the film. Maybe it's neither the first nor the best women-driven Marvel movie. For me, 2019's Captain Marvel took both of those titles. But it does pretty well for the first hour or so. Okay, you got a plan or shall I just stay dug and cover? My plan was to drive us away. Well, your plan sucks. And then, well, and then the film is hijacked by the stunt unit, the special effects department and the digital spectacular people. All that nice character work is replaced by, frankly, far more action than anyone could possibly need. Family. Back together again. You got fat.
It's an indication of where Marvel movies now find themselves, pushing for bigger and noisier when what's always worked best was more human scale. It's great to see her in her own story, and there are nice bits in this one. But maybe after 10 years of being the best thing in so many movies, there was no way the Black Widow could match our inflated expectations. Here's what's going to happen. Natasha, don't slouch. I'm not slouching. You're going to get the back hunch. Mm, listen to your mother. Oh, my God. This... Up, up, All right, enough. All of you. I didn't say anything. That's not fair. The French have a long tradition of comics and comic books, often aimed at adults, but they favour erotic fantasy and science fiction over American-style action comics and costumed heroes. So a Netflix movie from France called How I Became a Superhero was intriguing. From the start, the tone of How I Became a Superhero is very French urban, more a gritty cop film than a caped crusader action-adventure. We meet Moreau, a disillusioned cop, in a run-down apartment with a scruffy cat. He's late for work, again. Moreau has a specific beat, so-called supercriminals. This is a world where a small, not very select group have certain powers, though it's flattering to call them superpowers. Moreau was once a liaison officer for a ragtag trio of superheroes called the Pack Royale before they broke up. But now, supercrime not being what it was, his boss assigns him a non-super partner, Cécile. Moreau, je vous ai laissé gérer la supercriminalité, mais vous foutez rien. Voilà votre nouvelle coéquipière. Je suis sûr que vous allez bien vous entendre. Parlez pas à ma place. Quoi Cécile is prickly and unimpressed by Moreau's experiences. These days, superheroes are old hat and their own worst enemies. They either end up as alcoholic has-beens or worse, minor celebrities on TV. De la belle, Calista. But suddenly, super criminality is back, or at least criminality using superpowers. There's a new drug on the market that temporarily gives people abilities, like a kid at high school now able to throw flames at the school bullies. On est appelé dans un lycée là. Ça ressemble à une prise d'otage. Là, on lance. Moreau impresses Cécile by handling the flame-throwing kid with ease. He clearly knows his way round people with superpowers. But who's kidnapping minor superheroes and villains and creating drugs from them? C'est vrai cette histoire de drogue qui donne des superpouvoirs? Tu pourrais identifier quelqu'un à partir de ses pouvoirs? Monsieur le policier a besoin de son grand ami Monte Carlo. Unbeknownst to his bosses, Moreau is still in contact with the surviving members of the Pack Royale, the ageing Monte Carlo and Callisto, who quit the superhero game to start a gym for troubled youth. But can you ever completely quit the superhero game? Mathis Najarowski, he has 35 years, he fait appeler Naja. Hazard, s'il te plaît! I'm going to do it for you! I'm a man who has the power! He's going to float in the air! 
Trouvez-le. It's very French, more Jean-Luc Godard's Paris Metro than Superman's Metropolis. But personally, I found the idea of how I became a superhero rather refreshing. Here, superpowers are as much an embarrassment as a blessing, and a superhero or heroine seems to have roughly the same status as a reality TV celebrity. C'est une question d'être juste. As the name suggests, How I Became a Superhero implies that our anti-hero Moreau is packing rather more under his trench coat than a police special handgun. And as he gets closer to catching the criminal mastermind, he'll need to step up rather more than he's been doing so far. What are you Cool. How I Became a Superhero is the work of veteran producer Alain Attal and his son, first-time director Douglas Attal. It may be not quite fish or fowl. The superpowers get in the way of the crime story. The realism of the setting undercuts the superhero plot. But after 20 years of routine American comic book films, it's fascinating to see the same story in a completely different accent. I reluctantly found myself at a movie called Space Jam, A New Legacy. Just about everything about it has that hard-to-overcome quality, not really me. Starring American basketball legend LeBron James, it requires rather more enthusiasm for the sport than I could muster. But interestingly, that turns out to be the story. LeBron wants his son to play basketball. His son isn't interested. Basketball camp is next weekend. you got amazing potential on the court. And I can help you get there. That's not what I want, Dad. You never let me do what I want to do. You never let me just do me. Dom James is far more interested in designing computer games, another subject I'm less than gripped by. No matter, one day LeBron and his son find themselves wandering around the Warner Brothers building and getting lost. Hold up, raw floor. That Will Smith ain't got to deal with this. Space Jam is a film that expects you to know an awful lot about popular culture, particularly when father and son find themselves in a world of popular films and TV from decades before. What in the Matrix hell? Welcome to the space. Welcome to the Space Jam and its leading light, Don Cheadle as a digital baddie called LG Rhythm. Get it? He runs a sort of warehouse for Warner Brothers intellectual property. So how can LeBron James, the most famous basketball player in the world, rescue his son, I'm sure you're wondering. Welcome, King James. I am the king of this domain. This is the serververse. What'd you do to my son? Where's Dom? The only way you're getting your son back is if you and I play a little basketball. Pete, send this clown to the rejects. 
You've guessed it. He's going to have to put together a team made up entirely of old Warner Brothers Looney Tunes cartoon characters. Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, Tweety and Sylvester, and of course, Bugs Bunny. What is this? Ah! <sighs> I'm a cartoon? What's up, Doc? Who exactly is this film aimed at, you wonder? Are Looney Tunes still a thing 80 years after they first appeared as movie shorts? It seems so. That's the thing about famous brands. You can keep recycling them year after year. I need to assemble an elite team to help give my son back. I know what you're looking for. A dream team. Man, shoot the ball. Let's try that again, shall we? In the original Space Jam over 20 years ago, the climactic cartoon basketball match was against animated space monsters. I'm not saying it made more or less sense than this version, which features cartoon versions of real-life basketball players. Six of one, I'd say. Introducing... The Goon Squad! But then Al G. Rhythm, if I say the name often enough, would it make it any more appealing, I wonder, brings on his big guns. At a time when many real-life sporting events have to take place in empty stadiums, he brings in a gigantic animated audience, entirely made up of Warner Brothers-owned product. King James. Welcome to... Space Imagine, if you will, crowds of characters from Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, The Flintstones, Mad Max, Scooby-Doo, and even, I kid you not, the original Casablanca. How many people spent how many months creating this, you wonder? Come on, guys, the Toon Squad doesn't give up. If we're going out, we're going out loony. Of the jail. You gotta win this game and get our son back. Up the chance. Let's go, Toons! I got hops! The amount of effort that went into Space Jam A New Legacy was overwhelming, despite the fact that, as far as I could tell, all these famous and expensive characters were wasted on the film's juvenile target audience. What were they getting out of it, I wondered? <laughs> Classic. Welcome to the Space Jam. So I asked one, a kid of about nine on the way out, and it turns out she loved it. It didn't matter a jot to her that most of the characters on the screen were total strangers. It was colourful, it was about family problems eventually solved, it had cartoons and people falling over. What wasn't to like? Well, that was me told in a timely reminder that movies are for everyone. I didn't like Space Jam. She probably wouldn't like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Pick a side. Which brings this show to a close. I'm Simon Morris and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Do you love anime, gaming, movies and discovering how your favourite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. 
Every week, you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.